Turn to Acts chapter 5, please. Verses 12 through 26. Scriptures read, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the, to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them at cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with them, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in a public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with them, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. They returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are now standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. This is the word of God. Let me pray for us. Bow your heads, please. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for the opportunity to proclaim your word. Thank you. that you decided in your, in your awesome ways to provide uh, the Bible for us to understand clearly who you are, what you are about, what you want us to be about, and your plan of redemption. Thank you that you've given us um, true, unadulterated wisdom. And at the same time, Lord, we know we can't just open this book and just read it and feel like we understand and now we know but only by your spirit can we be in power to understand what you have to say to us, to, to desire to receive it, to desire to live life in light of it. So would you do those things, Jesus? Would you be working right now uh, through the power of the spirit to make us be people who don't just balk at your word, but who are passionate, who want to know what you have to say, who, who desire to see you do a heart change in us? Would you do that, Lord, today? Would you teach us from Acts, show us uh, what you desire for us to learn, and then give us the grace to learn it. Build conviction in our hearts for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, you may be seated. Thank you. Great, great job, Miss Kristen. That's always so fun. You did great. You're awesome up there. And Thanks, Mikey, for uh, playing so hard and fast. And Hey, uh, if you need Bibles, you see Mike, he has the Bibles for you guys. We're going to be going through uh, Acts chapter 5. If you're new to MacAv, uh, this, this is how we roll here. We go through books of the Bible so that we can understand the, uh, the counsel of Jesus. 
We're, um, we're in Acts right now. We've done many books. We want to encourage you. You're on a moving train right now. So um, you, can, you can check out these sermons online to catch yourself up. We just love to encourage you to continue to come and, and, um, and learn about what God is saying in the scriptures. Um, a, few, a few ground rules. I just love to uh, make sure you guys understand that if you're new here, uh, you are able to ask questions. Um, if if, if uh, something's not understood... Uh, we do ask that you would make sure you can just think about if it's going to encourage the whole body. If not, then you can ask me afterwards, and I'm totally available uh, for you to, uh, to re- receive. So uh, please feel free to do that, okay? Guys, we are, uh, we are in, I just love this book because we're experiencing so much grace in the sense of seeing uh, what the Lord was doing in the first century. Uh, we are uh, going to go ahead real quick, and as the kids, I'm sorry, let me, let me, the kids also get, uh, if, you can, if you have kids, you can raise your hand and Mike will hand you, uh, there's a little a Mac, a little brochure with coloring and things of that sort for our young people uh, to be able to maybe draw me or something like that um, while, just kidding, while, um, while we're going through our time together to encourage our young people. Thanks, Mike, for that as well. If you can put up the... Uh, the summary, just to give you guys a brief summary real quick, because, you know, we, we're, we're kind of plowing through Acts. Just to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, we've talked, a lot of this you guys have seen, but if you're new, hopefully this will encourage you to see where we are. Hopefully it will even get you excited to say, man, let me go back and read all this. This is what happened so far. So basically the book of Acts um, was, was of one canon with Luke before. Luke is the author, and so he had wrote this whole, this, this big canon, and then they separated it to between and it became the Gospel of Luke and then uh, the Book of Acts, right? Um, and his point, he was trying to write to encourage a very powerful person named Theophilus about uh, the life and finished work of Jesus Christ. Uh, what happens in, in, in Acts, uh, we see it's a continuation from what happened at the end of Luke. And that is, you know, Jesus Christ dies on the cross. Uh, everyone's decimated. All of a sudden, uh, Jesus Christ rises from the dead, which builds new hope. Uh, he rises from the dead. He reveals that... Um, He's a life that what he's been saying has been true. Then what happens is he begins to reveal his mission in the beginning of Acts. Uh, praise the Lord uh, to the disciples and not just reveal the mission to them, but he actually gives them the power to accomplish the mission by filling them with the Holy Spirit. We, you hear this uh, historically talked about the uh, Pentecost. They had Pentecost. Um, we see after they're filled with the Holy Spirit, the gospel begins to be preached uh, to many individuals. And all of a sudden, God gives uh, the church grace for, to see many believers uh, come out uh, from unbelievers. So people are brought from death to life by God's grace. And then, actually, a Christian community is formed. Because now you've got all these Christians. And now you're figuring out, like, how do we do Christian life? Because this is kind of a new thing, as it were. Um, as they are now doing life, serving each other, caring for each other, uh, God begins to validate uh, this Christian community as being the real McCoy by allowing basically the signs and works and wonders that they had saw Jesus do before his death happening through uh, these apostles and this group of individuals who are now saying they're connected to Christ and that because they're connected to Christ, they're actually connected to the true Yahweh, God the Father. Um, so he begins to do that, validate the people. Uh, we see basically these works being questioned by those uh, who are of power uh, for many different motivations, but they're very frustrated because they're basically turning uh, Jerusalem upside down at this point. So, to, so Peter and John is questioned. Continue on, please. 
Is that it? So now we enter in what we've had. Uh, we, we, last week we had another miracle happen. We talked basically our whole talk was about miracles, and we had a very lively MAG group in our group. I hope you guys had some good MAG groups just to process how do you go about and think about miracles now, uh, being responsible, what I always say, and just be responsible theologians as we talk about the supernatural reality of, of Jesus. So we're here now in um, Acts chapter 5. And Pastor Leon um, read through uh, verses 12 through 16. I want to go through, and I just want to uh, pick out a few things real quick uh, from those verses, and then we're going to go ahead and continue on. So if you can open up your Bibles, and let's get ready uh, to rock together uh, in the Holy Scriptures. Verse 12, uh, it says in the Scriptures, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among uh, the people. Uh, and then it says, And all the believers used... Uh, I used to meet together in Solomon's Colonnade, which was basically the place uh, where they started these whole miracles. They just basically keep going back to the same place and proclaiming the gospel. And, and what's interesting here is the differences you had uh, before Peter and John being singled out. But now, if you notice, there's a general component here where it's talking about the, the, the apostles as a, as a whole are now doing miracles. Okay, So now you've got to become a kind of communal. So it's not just Peter and John. And then it says in verse uh, 13... Uh, no one else dared to join them. So what is he talking about there? What's going on there? Did you pause and go, what, what does it mean no one else dared to join them? Let me, let me, let me, let me uh, just pause here and just wrap our minds about, around what's happening here. We're seeing all these miraculous signs and wonders happen. We've just seen some individuals get killed in the body because the people of God were shaping and forming. And all of a sudden, you get uh, some individuals who are saying they're going to sell their house. They kind of lie to God. God is beginning to shape and, and, and try and help the church that's being formed understand his seriousness of holiness, his desire for what he wants the camp of the people of God to be like. And because of him trying to set the standard, we see Ananias and Sapphira die. So once you go back and look at that, if you haven't had a chance to read that um, uh, in, in Acts, these guys die because they lie to the Holy Spirit. And so the question you got to ask yourself, and he says no one else dared to join them. Well, when you read, you know it can't be believers because there's a ton of believers already around there. Okay? You know it can't be the apostles, right, because they're sitting there right now and they're doing performing the miracles. And so the question is, who is this no one else dared to join them? I think it's a really cool point in the story that I don't want us to miss here as we read through, is that he's trying to, the author's trying to show us that you had the church growing, the church moving, and all of a sudden you get a pause in what's going on in the local body because the church had to handle some issues. They had to handle sin, right? And had to handle individuals who were trying to act like they, were, they, they, they wanted to walk with the Lord. And kudos to my mad group because we had a discussion here where we were asking, was Ananias and Sapphira believers or not? I still, we, we don't know what God is saying there, but what we do know here, I'm proposing that the no one else dared to join them are, are individuals who probably would have been like Ananias and Sapphira. Individuals who probably would have been people who were kind of acting like they, they were down with the group, but they really weren't. And so it's saying here that basically, man, power went from these people. Great things were happening. We saw people drop dead, and now more miracles are happening. More believers are coming about. But guess what? No one else dared to join them. But no one else was faking. You follow me? <laughs> there were no fakers because they remembered what happened to them last people who was faking. Right? And so I think there's a, there's a, there's a cool sense there about, the, again, that the author would see it important for us to see that there was some sense of purity in the church. Uh, 
He goes on, he says, even though they were highly regarded by the people, which lets you know again that there was tons of people around, which I think makes my point that I'm pretty sure that he's talking about individuals who are kind of maybe being fakers or weren't really showing that, man, I'm for Jesus because he says, hey, they were high, these people were highly regarded by the people. So it, people loved seeing these miracles happen. People loved seeing what was happen, happening right now uh, with the people of God. And then it says in verse 14, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to the number. And some of your uh, translations say even more people, basically saying, uh, or even more than was before. Uh, so, I mean, you're talking, man, I mean, Thousands of people. In fact, look what the scriptures say here in verse 15. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. So I think the least thing that we can say is that there was radical power happening right now at this point. Okay? Can you imagine this? I mean, do we, do we pause and think about the reality of what was going on here? I think because we don't see tons of miracles and things of that sort happening in our local context, I think it's hard for us to pause and think about this reality, this happened in history. That, that, that God's power was going across so great that they were taking people and trying to put them in Peter's shadow. That, do we believe that? Do we go, do people really do that? But notice this. This is to see the amount of people you had. You have verse 16. It says, crowds gather also from the towns around Jerusalem. See, now remember, okay, a lot of people didn't go home because you had just had, you had the celebration, right? You had your festivals and things of that sort. So you had the, the, the population, population had just grown dramatically. We talked about that in the beginning of Acts. You're talking hundreds of thousands of people uh, who've crowded to come in and worship God in the beginning of Acts, right? For Pentecost and things of that sort. Well, now you have even other people. So they're starting to see these signs and wonders, right? So, you know, you got a lot going on. Well, now you got more people from outside the towns coming in, even more people. So just think about what's happening here. And remember, they're not in power. Rome is in power. So can you imagine a ruckus? So the very thing that those who empower the Sadducees and these individuals that they, they did not want to happen was happening right before their eyes and there was nothing they could do to stop it. Absolutely nothing. It's, even get, it's getting worse than what they thought. I mean, at first they thought, man, I don't even want one person getting saved. I don't want one person hearing about this. I, I definitely don't want a couple of villages. Well, all of a sudden, it's like, not, it's, it's like okay, well, I don't want towns. I mean, now it's, it's not even the place they're in. It's not the city. It's even outside the city. Can you imagine this? Imagine this. But even imagine the danger. I mean, imagine individuals telling you, hey, I don't like what you're doing on Burn Street. You need to stop it or we might, we, we might kill you and your family. And instead, it spreads to Seminole, and it spreads to Iroquois, and then it spreads outside of the Lower East Side, and they say, look, you need to stop. And you keep preaching the same gospel, and people, wait, and more power comes out, more people get healed, moves from the Lower East Side, goes down into Corktown and all these different places, and it spreads and spreads and spreads. It goes across to Windsor. People coming over the bridge going, can you imagine you were just hoping that it would stop on burns. This is what's happening in history. This is how the Lord said, I'm going to help people understand that I've actually risen. See, the beauty of, of God's resurrection, what I love about it, I love the humility of his death, but I love the braggadocious of his resurrection. 
I love the sense that when he, see, we think, you know, a couple of people just came out and started becoming Christians. No, he took over the city. The gospel, remember we talked about our dream here, that someone would grab you by the shirt. We talked about that, Alvin, and say, why are you guys talking about Jesus? Kristen, quit talking about Jesus. Remember we said, that's, that's my dream, is that people will grab us because Jesus is such an issue in our community. They can't go anywhere without having to wrestle with the reality that, man, their life is futile if you don't know and love Christ. Well, that's happening to them. Here they are. This is the picture. Man, and they're doing more stuff. At first, you know, okay, we thought, wow, guy sitting on the carpet for 40 years, all of a sudden he gets up and walks. Well, now, man, you got people getting healed. You got people laying out beds. Do you remember that somewhere in the scriptures? Do you remember that? When we talk about recapitulation, the retelling the story of Jesus. Yeah, we're Jesus. Remember who did, last person who did that? It was Christ our Lord. And now you get, now they're even, they're even expanding their portfolio. They're like doing a little demon, you know, exercise now. They're, they're taking out demons. They're dealing with impure spirits. Look at what they're doing now. This is crazy what God is doing. Well, look what happens. It says, because you know there's going to be some results to this, right? I mean, you think you're going to just be able to heal everybody and do everything that the, that the, that the legal parties at power told you not to do and there's not going to be drama? Do you and I think we're going to be able to neighbor and enjoy the Lord in community together, love our neighbors, be in relationship, and then help people understand that we're going a little deeper than just having barbecues and hot dogs, but we really want to talk about the core of the issue of the heart? You don't think that's going to come with some results, some recoil? Look what happens. Verse 17, the scriptures say, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they basically get frustrated, right? Now, remember, who are the Sadducees? We talked about that a while ago, right? Those are like the religious liberals, right, of their day, right? These are the guys who are actually in power, right? They're, they're kind of Rome's puppets, making sure things are taken care of, right, and keeping peace with Israel. So they basically say, hey, we want you to sell out. So if you would keep peace with Israel, we'll give you power. Because they're supposed to be those who held it down, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But you see how, you know how we all are, you know what I'm saying? You know, sadly, we all got a price, right? Sadly. And so, promises power, they're the ruling party. Look what it says. They're uptight and it says they're filled with jealousy. Now, again, can we just pause? Can we just humble ourselves? And hear me, fam. I'm blown away at the fact that the scriptures say to us right now that they see healings, they see impure spirits being cast out, Right. So there's more people that they all grew up with, right, that they're seeing, man, that dude was lame too. You, this is not written in here. They're knowing people who was crazies when they, were, when they were six years old, and all of a sudden, they're in their right mind. They're knowing, like, these people aren't, see, we, I, maybe this me, when I don't put my first century glass on, I see everybody with a blanket face, and it's unemotional. But no, these people grew up together, right? You have people you grew up with, and now they're doing things, you're like, man, that's interesting. I knew that dude when. Right? I got friends who are writing books and doing all kind of stuff. Right? So you got, these guys grew up together. Now he's a Sadducee. Right? And he's a Pharisee. And they're seeing all these miracles happening. And it's to, it's to cats that they grew up with. These are the people they've seen. They know. But guess what? The scriptures tell us that they didn't say, man, is this real? Is God in this? I remember Fred. I remember Johnny. 
It says, out of all the miracles, thousands of people coming in trying to see the beauty of Christ, that they just got mad they didn't have the power. It says they were filled with jealousy. It doesn't say anything about them wanting truth. It bums my heart out, and it humbles me, because it makes me go, wow, these guys are way smarter than you, and they're way smarter than me. They knew to be a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. You had to memorize the Pentateuch. Couldn't even be a Pharisee if you didn't do that. So they were, so trust me, they were way smarter than us, knew way more about Judaism and their history, knew way more about the beauty of Yahweh, and yet God was gracious to allow you and me to know Jesus. That just humbles me. And to see these guys fall into this issue of jealousy. Now, let me pause by jealousy because I think, do you, do you guys ever struggle with jealousy? No? Not at all, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. See, see, power. Power. Let me just pause here. Power is a very dangerous thing. But power, and I say this here, power is a very dangerous thing to people who got power, but also to people who don't have power. See, when I always I talk about the theology of the poor when I, when I go and teach in other places, and, I, and I'm blown away when I talk about that because people, all, we always like to romanticize those who don't have much. And we'll say, oh, those rich people, they da-da-da-da, and, and we just dog the rich folk. And, and we just, you know, when I, you go do mission trips. We're famous for this when you go do mission trips. I mean, we do so much violence upon missionaries. We go to these mission trip places, and then we, we like to idolize the people groups. And we go, oh. Those Cambodians, they were unbelievable. They're the nicest people in the world. I just love the Turks. I just think, I just never met a group of nicer people. I'm going, do you not believe in the doctrine of total depravity? They're just as evil as me and you. And they, if they get you in an alley, they would do things just like you and I will. We don't like that. It's true. The reality is, I try to help people understand, just because people are poor doesn't make them holy. Poor people will get you just like rich folk, right? Because we all need a savior. And so it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not like, oh, power is just bad for those who have it. Actually, it's bad for those who don't because guess what? They spend all their time trying to get it, right? And so it's a danger for both, right? Because uh, you have pride, when you have it, you think, and why do we have pride? Because we think, wow, man, if you just do what I did, if you just go to the college I went to, if you just read the books I read, if you, you know, I just, I'm just awesome. So I get why I'm, get, I'm getting my degree. I, I, I get why I have money. I understand why the Lord would bless me with these things. I'm just so, look at me, right? That's what happens a lot of times with all of us when we get stuff. We start really thinking it was because of our merit, Right? You, we got people in here who are very accomplished. You become a lawyer, you become a doctor, don't get it twisted. It wasn't you. PhD, wasn't you. Right? You start, that's how we start thinking. Right? That's the pride. But also, when you don't have something, what happens to a lot of us guys? We get jealous. Now, jealousy is interesting because jealousy... It, Jealousy is interesting because jealousy doesn't just say, man, I want that. Because sometimes it's good to want what God has blessed others with, right? In the sense of like, wow, man, when he speaks, God uses him. He's, he proclaims the gospel really cool. 
that's actually a noble thing to say, man, Lord, I wish I could speak the gospel like that. Let me just pray and ask the Lord to bless me. That's a noble thing. You know what's interesting about jealousy? Jealousy is not just wanting something. It's being, it's being mad about the other person having it. And it's like, we don't just say, Lord, will you bless me with that? We say, and take it from him. Right? Right? That's, that, that, that's, the, that's the core. It's the sense of like, we, 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 want it. We, we, we're, 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 we get frustrated, and then we say, no, I don't want them to have it. Let me ask you a question, guys. As we do life in our community, who are you jealous of? Who are you jealous of? What are you jealous for? Right? Maybe you'll show me. What are you jealous for? What are you when you just, man, that's, I need that. I want that. You know, there's, I mean, we can, we, can, we can hide and cloak jealousy under coveting, right? Under uh, lying, right? We lie sometimes because we're jealous. And so what we try to do is we go, I'm really jealous of that person, so I think I'll defame her. You never did that? You never lied on somebody? Because you, you just wanted somebody to see them a little less. Just, let me just cut them down a little bit, bring them down to be normal. Who they think they are? Never done that? Right? It's a dangerous thing, family. It's dangerous. We gossip. Why do you think we gossip sometimes? Some people even commit adultery out of jealousy. You have it, I want it. So it could be whether power, prominence, position, notoriety. And you know another thing, though, um, about jealousy, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning this in my own journey, is like it has two main issues. First, uh, it stems from, in general, a flawed understanding of Jesus. So at the end of the day, jealousy is like, if you, if you, if you par down, it's really saying, I am missing my understanding of who Christ is. And this how, uh, first we talked about it. You think it's God, you think it's your power, not God's power. That's pride. Um, but then, uh, at the root of it, at the root of the heart is that we have a lack of love, right? And so we have a lack of love and a lack of faith. Let me explain that. Lack of love. Uh, first and foremost, and I, I've seen this with my kids. I, I'm like, man, because I, 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 I've struggled with jealousy. I don't know about you guys. I've struggled with jealousy. But I tell you, one of the purest moments, in my, maybe on this side of heaven, where I'm realizing I haven't, is with my kids. I'm learning how to actually cheer for other people by having kids. Because when I watch my kids have, be successful, I must say, at my core, I am so happy. And this is so liberating. And I'm like, oh, I want to feel like that with other people. You know, because I, I find myself struggling. When people have success, I'm kind of like, <laughs> and, and I watch myself with my kids, and I'm like, man, at my, I just love when they are doing something well. I like, I glory in when they do something better than me, even. I'm like, I don't get defensive or insecure. I'm like, man, you knew that. Like, you, wow, you knew that better than daddy. And at my core, Bible, I just want to proclaim God's grace. I'm really happy. And I'm like, Lord, why can't I be like that with people? Would you do a work in my heart where when any person in this room is experiencing success, that at my core, I'm like, man, I'm so happy for you. 
I want more of God's blessing in your life. I want to see you come back with more testimony of God's goodness. Do you struggle with that? I do. See, it's a lack of love because I want to cheer. Because here's the thing. If I really think, now how does that correlate to Jesus? See, if I really think Jesus gave people everything, right, he did it all, then really I'm saying, okay, I'm mad because Jesus gave it to you. You see that? I'm like, man, I can't believe he gave it to him. And it's a lack of faith. That, that what jealousy really says is we, we lack faith. Because what we're really saying is like, man, Lord, you didn't get it right, Jesus. You're not supposed to give him that blessing. You're not supposed to give him that gift. You're supposed to give it to me. See, I don't want to trust you and your sovereignty that you know who's supposed to get what and how you want to supply people. But I want you to give stuff to me. And I can't just rest in knowing that, man, God has blessed this guy with something awesome. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's okay. And you know what's interesting about pride for us is, by the way, if we're going to continue to believe the doctrine of sovereignty that God has given us everything, and also we're going to believe and understand that God is very clear that what he does in his way of the world is that he usually gives a lot of stuff to those who are weak, right? That should humble you because that means the more stuff you got, the more of a loser you probably were, right? I'm just, I'm just going down the line of the doctrine, right? It should humble you. Because God says, man, he uses the weak to shame the wise, right? And I, and I, and I see that in my own life. I, I mean, I, I, I laugh. I'm at conferences and stuff, and people are like, oh, Eric. I'm like, and I think about myself. I'm all skinny. I got these big old ears. I'm like goofy. I can't, I don't got no sense of direction. I'm like, wow, this is so funny that God would use me. Because <laughs> he's shaming people who think, oh, yeah. And so I just want to propose to us that as God uses you, know that should be a humble point because he uses weak people. So for him to choose you, you must have been really messed up. Praise the Lord. We don't even like that. If people are like, why are you calling me messed up? You should be like, yeah, praise the Lord. You're like, man, well, no, I'm, I'm tight. Well, there we go. So. So real quick, what, 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 so what we need, if that's true, guys, we need, with this whole jealousy piece, we need a sense of sovereignty, basically a remedy of sovereignty and grace, right? We need to really understand that God is sovereign, right, and that, and that he's gracious, that he knows who he wants to give stuff to, and he's all-powerful. But doesn't that also free you? I mean, me, me and my sister were talking last night how I, I, struggle with, I can struggle with lack of contentment sometimes. And I'm just like, man, I feel like I need this. And I feel like I'm not doing this right with my family. And I got to make sure I get this going. And, and I'm not really content. And like, Lord, you're doing a work in me. You've blessed my family. And I don't just need another this to say, okay, I'm okay now. You know, I don't need this amount of money. And I don't need these things. Because if I really trust in God's sovereignty, he's given me what I need for now. He truly has, right? And he's been gracious in that. It's not that, no, I didn't do the right thing. Because that's the weird thing about how we handle Christianity, right? I mean, the reality is God has, even when he provides, in the scriptures it's clear, he, he provides measures where he blesses people who are walking with the Lord, praise the Lord. But even your walking with the Lord is by his grace. So it's always God. And so, man, when we get, when we get that dose of sovereignty and that dose of grace, and we understand what the Lord has done, we will then be able to not have a lack of love, but have a, a heart of love where we can cheer for people who are successful. And we can want success for others. 
And we can want some of the gifts that bring God glory in other people's lives to be flowing through us, but say, God, remain it in them as well. Keep it in them too. Because we want to see you glorify Jesus because it's about Christ. And our faith will be built. We won't be faithless saying, man, I just don't think God knows what he's doing. But we say, no, God knows what he's doing, and he's given me what he wants for his glory, and he's given them what he wants through them for, for his glory. Check this out, guys. So they're, they're, they're jealous. And man, obviously, there's some lack of love going on there. There's some lack of faith going on there, right? And look what happens. Look how they fight. And it's interesting. Verse 18. You're in the text? Look at verse 18. It says, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. How did the Sadducees fight back? Right? So they're using spiritual means. The apostles claiming the gospel, honoring the Lord, seeing the community of faith, loving people. I mean, how do you get mad at that? You see how evil we are? You see that? I, and I'm just, I'm just, you know, I testify to you guys. I try to be honest about my journey. I remember when I came to Christ, started walking with the Lord, God started using me. And I remember I came back to my mom, and I, you know, I sold drugs for a little bit. Um, and I came back to the crib, and I used to be, you know, cuss like a sailor, fighting, doing all kinds of things that were evil, just evil. Um, God graced me brought, me, brought me to life in Christ. And I remember coming back, and my mom would, you know, say, you know, hey, can you tell, I, I, you, know how, you know how we are now. I must say, I had some bad witnessing times. I was kind of holier than thou as well. And like my mom would be like, hey, someone call for her. Hey, take a message. Tell them I'm not here. And I'd be like, mom, I don't lie anymore. <laughs> She'd be like, Nick, you better tell them I'm not here. <laughs> you know, and so, and so, you know, I started to do all that kind of stuff. But my heart was like, man, I'm trying to be, a, I'm trying, God is doing something in my life now, right? And I remember, I remember just, you know, telling my friends, you know, I'm not cussing, I'm not fighting, I'm not doing all this stuff. And one day my mom said to me, I liked it better. Here I'm trying to be kind to people in the house. I liked it better, man, when you were, when you were the old twine. And I'm thinking, the old guy used to cuss you out, you know, disrespect you. One time she had a broom up on me. I broke the broom. And I'm thinking, the old guy was a crack dealing, cursing, womanizing, just filling the blanks, and you're more comfortable with him than the guy who's saying, I'm trying to be, I want to be kind. I, I want to be gracious. I want to I read my Bible. I want to see people come to Christ. You see right here, look at this. You got thousands of people who are selling their houses. They're loving on each other. They're giving to people who are in need. The Sadducees in them see this. <laughs> You got thousands of people who are praying for each other. You know, a baby miscarriage happens. Man, the people of God over there praying, seeking the Lord, sharing their faith. What do you need? You, get, you need food? We got you. You need a house built? We'll build that. You're watching all these things that the people of God are doing, all the evidence of God's grace, and they say, let's get rid of it. How does that happen? How does that happen, guys? Well, the scriptures told us, we as men, it says in the Gospels, love darkness more than light. And only by grace will you love light. That's how it happens. They fight back. Look what they do. I love this. Remember in the beginning, they put them in like federal prison, right? Nice little prison, hanging out. And not right now, they put them in a joint, right? It says public prison. Can you imagine? You talk about scaring somebody, Okay. 
it's a, there's a difference, y'all. I don't know if you've ever been in, I don't know if you've ever been in a day sale. Hope you haven't. All right. There's a couple sales that you have when you go down to the county. I know some of y'all know about some of this because you either saw some, met some people or hung out with people or had to visit people. All right. You can go into a holding cell, like a little, just, just you, and then they can put you into a main holding cell. All right. And then there's cats in there who have murdered people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Who's raped people. All right. Who, who don't have their right mind. You know what I'm talking about. Right. And then you in there because you got a driving ticket. Can you imagine? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, my man asked, why is it that we love darkness more than light? Absolutely, because of the fall. Because God created us to love him, to be like him, to worship him. And then we had the audacity to say, no, God, we want to be our own gods. And we sinned against God, and what happened was the scriptures say because of Adam and Eve sinning that basically the whole world, we now are sinful by nature, a curse, boom. We're sinful by nature. Now we, we can't help but to sin. And the reality is we're living a life that's decreated. We were created to be creators, and now we're just kind of destroying ourselves, destroying our world. And then what God does in his grace, he brings Jesus to redeem that to say, I'm going to make it new again because left to you, it'll be destroyed. That's the gospel story is that we messed it up. Jesus fixed it for us. And that's why we spend our life telling people, come to Jesus so you can be fixed. No, no, no. no. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I think that's healthy. So my man, you're saying again, and one more time your name? Jacob. Jacob. Okay. So Jacob is saying, hey, so what I would, you know, if I see somebody with something that I'm like, man, God, I wish you would bless me with that and ask the Lord to bless me with that. And I think that's absolutely appropriate for us to ask God. Here's, here's, here's the kicker though. You know God, what, what God is doing in your heart based on how you respond to the result of the question to Jesus. So you ask God for the blessing. He doesn't give it to you. Now you mad, Right. But I asked you, where is the blessing? See, now we know that you don't really get, there's something there you don't get faith, right? You don't understand, no, God is sovereign. You can ask, he's good. And then sometimes he says, here, right? You, we ask for, you know, I mean, God was gracious to me to give me Sarah, you know? He, he says, here. Sometimes he says, you know what? For what I want to do in your life, I'm going to say no to that. And I'm going to give it to him. Now we go, you know, and that's, what, and, that's, and that's when Satan tried to, like, lie to us, right? Because the, the dude walked right past you, got the prayer request you just asked for. You know what I'm saying? Why, how, he, how he get to Bentley? I'm just, I'm just tripping. You know, you know what I'm saying? And now, now we've got to ask ourselves, what do we do with that? Do we go, wow, Lord, you're sovereign. Well, man, you, you know, you, you have, you have, you're on a cattle of a thousand hills. You have it all. So you knew what I needed. You decided not to do it. And so now our prayer is contentment. <laughs> Let me be content. Let me enjoy the Lord. Let me live life to the full now with everything he's given me now because he's given me everything I need to be all he wants me to be right now in this space. Right now. He's giving it all to me. He's not like, no, I really want to gl- you to glorify me in this way, but I forgot to give you this. That's not how God works. Everything you have right now, he's saying, you have fully everything he's wanted you to have right now for how he wants you to bring glory in his life, um, to him right now. 
And then he keeps adding because he's gracious. Great questions, bro. I hope that's helpful. So I want to encourage you to keep that kind of heart because my heart usually goes toward the other end. So praise the Lord for your, for your witness. All right. Puts him in a joint. All right. Brothers in here, they just been talking. Not in here with murderers. A, goes on and says in verse 19, and I propose to you they did that because they didn't have true power. And so they had to use their own means, right? And it says, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail. Now check this out. This is where it gets good, guys. We ain't even got to the good part yet. Check this out. It says, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. And by the way, I love that translation, this sense of like, go and tell these guys about that life, about the life, about true life. Go tell them about, if you have different translations, check that word, that, that whole concept out. Uh, it's a beautiful, a beautiful word. So the angel tells them, hey, I know you, can you imagine? So at first you go to federal prison, which is nice. You got TVs, you know, you got a microwave. So it's kind of tight. You're like, cool, all right, we did something wrong. They didn't kill us yet, cool. So then the guys grab you again. They put you in public prison, all right? You in there with Debo and all these cats, right? And you like, all right, all right? So you could have got killed there. So now you're really loving the sovereignty of God because they didn't rip your head off because you just preaching the gospel. These probably guys are probably bony fishermen. Can you, I mean, imagine this now. All right, so now what does that do to your, I mean, okay, so there's two ways to handle that. So now you're like, man, this is getting crazy. It's getting real now. All right, they, they obviously don't care much about me because they could have, they put me in harm's way, okay? Now I say that because at this point, you're probably going, I don't know how much more I want to do today, <laughs> right, if I get out of this one. The angel says, I want you to go back right where you were, and preach the same thing again. Now, here's the thing. I get it, guys. If you and I see an angel, we're like, well, hey, they was cheating. No, they had angels, man. Like, if God showed me an angel, I'd be like, what's up? Let's do this. I got angels, bruh. Right? That's how we would think. But I want to also propose to you that even though you and I would probably be excited about the fact that we saw some supernatural aspects, we still love our life. So even though if someone came in here right now and was like, tell me, I'm going to shoot you right now, Eric, if, if you don't tell me, uh, if you don't denounce your faith. I, I really believe I will be nervous and scared, wondering what's going to happen, how will it hurt. But I think with tears in my eyes, I would say, I love Jesus. He's my king, and I'll die. But I think I will be like, man, I really don't want to die right now. You feeling me? So I'm not saying they weren't like, hey, I'm going to obey God, and this is awesome that I saw a supernatural angel. But I'm also saying as humans, they're thinking, man, we were in public jail, Mr. Angel, and now you want me to go back to what got me in here. And what I'm realizing, I'm not no Vanderbilt or wise, but I'm realizing that each time, the, 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 basically, the, the discipline is worsening. So what's going to be next, right? Well, they obey. Now, can I ask you a question? How do they escape? Have you looked at the text there? How do they escape? Throw it out. Practically. No, like clearly. Not like an angel. How do they escape? Tell me the setting. Angel of the Lord. Okay, it says open the doors. But wait a minute. The scriptures say that there are two guards standing at the door the whole time. Awake. We got a problem. How do they escape? Say 
Sorry? Okay, I don't know what happened, but what I want to, what I, but I think a cursory reading through the text, you think angels open the doors, the guards are in the corner with, you know, an old chicken bone sleep, and they walked out into, you know, Solomon's portico, right? That's, that's, I mean, when a cursory reading, that's what I think. When you pause and you stare at the fishes and you look at the text, God is trying to show you something supernatural. He's saying, no, that's what the angel's perspective was because he's that powerful. But the reality was because the guards were right there standing at the door the whole night, Roman centurion standing saying, no one comes in and out of here. And all of a sudden, they, you know, that's why they were surprised. That's why they were surprised. Because like, oh my goodness, these doors have been locked the whole night. So who knows what happened, but what we do know is something supernatural happened. I don't know if the doors actually opened and then they just guarded their eyes and let them float to the place. I don't know if God was gracious and like the Ethiopian eunuch and said, you're here one moment, next moment you're in the portico and you preach the gospel. We don't know, but what we do know, it wasn't natural. It wasn't natural. Something happened. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And all of a sudden they're standing in the temple courts. And that's why they're surprised. They're like, do come in. Because here's what they're thinking. Okay, so, so now you're already tripping because you're like, yo, you were, you were outside the guard. You, the guards were outside the door. What happened? So now they're thinking, well, they got away somewhere. Where are they? Because now you're thinking, we got to find these guys. Or they're going to cause more ruckus. See, I love that. Because, you know, like, it's almost like when you're about to fight somebody and you kind of like, you know, you're kind of like, hey, hey, what's up, what's up? And then as soon as somebody grabs you, you get real crazy. You ever seen that? Right? And so, you, you know what I'm saying? And so, so they kind of like, man, well, I wish I knew where they were. I don't know. I wish I knew. Dude come in like, hey, man, they're down the street. <laughs> they're they, they right where they, where they always are, preaching the gospel. I love that sense because it's kind of, and here, can I say one more thing? Notice a couple things first. What I love about the angel sense, what do Sadducees not believe in? Resurrection. You know what else they don't believe in? Angels. They don't believe in angels. I think the author wanted us to clearly know that so that in history we can go, oh my goodness, look how cool God is. God said, the very one you don't believe in, I'm going to have rescue these guys so that you will believe in me. So you know I'm not no joke. Sammy. Absolutely, and I think that's good exegesis. Thanks for saying that, which I think even makes it more supernatural, even I think confirms what you're saying in the fact that, guess what? If the doors are open, you don't think Debo was going to run out too? You know what I'm saying? So, so I, I love the sense at the end, guys, you have all these things happening. God's grace is upon these people. And it says they, they go back and they say, hey, these guys are preaching the gospel. Notice, again, notice all the supernatural things happening here. Notice what they revert to. Notice their motivation behind what they did with the apostles. It says in the scriptures, they did not use force. They just said, hey, they feared the people would stone them. It was never about truth for these guys. It was always about finding how they can get the advantage. Okay, well... I don't want to get stoned, so how do I... Can you imagine? Have you, have you seen that too? Hey, man, can you... Can y'all come with us, please? Please, over this way. 
I can't grab y'all because <laughs> look at a thousand people right here can <laughs> beat us down. Can you just go this way? And I love the fact that they went. Right, because I'm, I'm, I'm a silly bro. I'd have been like, ah, I ain't trying to get, you know, I didn't, you know. But they, they're like, yeah, man, let's go. We're going back? All right. You know, man, what questions? As you look at this beautiful story of God's grace, what questions are asked of the gospel from the text, guys? I got a couple for us. I think a question that we're asking from the perspective of evangelism is, will you empower me to preach the gospel? That's a, that's a question that we probably need to ask. I wonder if these guys ask that question and they, they got it answered. Yes. God is real and he'll empower us to preach the gospel. You know what? He, he doesn't give us his power just to be, you know, running around, look at what I can do. But you know what he does do and we see in scripture? I want us to build a conviction that God would do supernatural things when your heart is really about bringing him glory. When your heart's about wanting to bring him glory, he will do things. And I've had a few things happen in my life that, that I, to this day, I still think were supernatural instances where I go, I will never forget that moment. I had a few times of evangelism when I was in college where I'm like, wow. And I've seen the Lord use and do some awesome things. And the Lord, uh, he's not stopping now. You know why? Because why did he empower us? Why did he give us an opportunity to see these supernatural works happen? I'm proposing because to see his mission go forth. Right? That's what Acts 1.8 is all about. That's the reason why he gives us these powers, these wonders to validate Christ and to see his kingdom come, to see people become Christians. And so because that mission hasn't ended yet, I'm proposing he's still doing that. Until, until Jesus says, I'm back, I'm proposing signs and wonders will still go on for those who are open to seeing God do miraculous things. You know, I think a question is, is the preaching of the gospel worthy of my time? Can you imagine? See, look at these guys. And we're asking that, right? We're all busy. But look at these guys. It seems like, man, they were doing one thing and all of a sudden the gospel encompassed their life. Everything is about the gospel now. Is the gospel worthy of your time? Absolutely. Is it worthy of your reputation? These are the questions I'm wondering that was asked before all these things happened to these guys. I wonder if it's some questions that we have. When we go through our life, do we really, by the way we do life, do we ask these questions? Is it really worthy of my reputation? Am I really willing to put myself out there like this? Be ridiculed, misunderstood, laughed at? The Holy Spirit empowers us. Here's another question I think that the text is asking us from the perspective of community. As we think about what we saw in this beautiful community, as we think about our community, am I excited about the community that God is building here? You know, those Sadducees could have, been, could have had another story. They could have celebrated it. They could have celebrated what God was doing. And they could have used all their influence to see God's kingdom come. Holy Spirit could have done that. Holy Spirit could have gave the Sadducees a revival. And now the very people who are leading all of Jerusalem were proponents for Jesus. That could have happened. But it didn't. For some reason, they weren't excited about God's community. And it was exposed when God's community started growing and going forth. And the question I was going to ask all of us, man, are we excited about the community that God is building? I pray we are. I pray we're excited about what God is doing in our midst. Are we jealous? Are we, are we apathetic? Well, my prayer is that we're joyful, that we'll be joyful. 
And finally, when we think of the Trinity, I think there's questions that were answered that I'm sure they were asking. I mean, I wonder, like, man, to, to embark on this journey, you probably got to ask this question, man, is, should I really believe that God is sovereign? How do, you, how do you do what God is asking you and I to do without believing that God is fully powerful and in control? That he's good. That he's good when you have a death in the family, right? That he's good when people have, you know, breaks my heart, miscarriages. That he's good. He's good. Did I get it right, sis? I know you were reading that story too. The ladies in Sudan, right? Is it good when a lady who's pregnant and they're saying that they're going to kill her after she has her baby. And her husband's sitting there. And can you imagine watching your wife? Do you think that he has to ask himself about sovereignty? When relationships when you're in life and you can't get a break and you're like, man, I keep trying to walk with the Lord and I feel like I can't get a break. How did this person get blessed? He didn't even love Jesus. I had an addiction and I stopped and, but man, my life's still the same. I went cold turkey, Lord. Why, why aren't you blessing me? My kids aren't obeying. The guy in my life isn't leading the way he's supposed to. You think of your narrative. And you think, man, do you think you got to ask the question, is God sovereign? Is he in this? Is he here? You want this job and they never give it to you? You try to pass this test and it doesn't work out. Is God sovereign? Is he still in this? Is he with you? You try to build a business. You try to go to school. You try to have a relationship. You try to be faithful. The doors keep closing. You try to share your faith. Yeah, I'm sure these are the questions they ask. I'm sure it's the questions we have to ask. Is God sovereign? Think about it, guys. We're gonna um, we're gonna do a time of of uh, tithe and offering. I want to encourage you.